Guys, welcome. It's a Crypto Dini podcast here today. I've got a great guest, James Neagle from uh, Bitcove. Crypto Dini is the home of the Bitcoin pension plan. We teach people with our consulting and workshops how to set up what I call a plan B. Our traditional pension, it's a 40 year plan uh, with a crypto plan. Some people have done it in four years. If you want to know how to get started, jump onto my website, CryptoAdini.com and check out my free Bitcoin basics uh, workshop. Also, if you want to become part of the community, hit the like, hit the subscribe, do your daily exercise, and uh, you won't miss any of the amazing guests. And just before I introduce James, he's sitting there listening to me ranting. <laughs> I just want to say that nothing on uh, Crypto Dini is financial advice. It's just some entertainment. So uh, James Neagle, co-founder of Bitcove, Ireland's possibly first crypto exchange, are you guys? Not first. There was a uh, a platform called Airkind that uh, was launched right. in 2014. Yeah, so a guy called Dave Fleming set that up. I think they closed in 2018. So they were the first guys to, to uh, provide Bitcoin to the Irish public. And that's actually where I bought my Bitcoin first day, believe it or not. So yeah, back in 2013, May 2013. Yeah, um, it'd, be aw- it'd be awesome to start at the beginning and tell us your story, I suppose, of, of coming into Bitcoin and, and sort of then how Bitcove came, came about, James. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I did a master's in computer science and I had a module on encryption and I kind of went down the rabbit hole from there. Um, so, yeah, I heard about Bitcoin and looked to purchase it. Luckily, as I said, I came across a website called Aircoin, made it very simple to purchase. Um, so I bought, I think, probably all the money, like, yeah, sort of small investment in at the time. Um, and then Bitcoin started, really started to take off in that 2013, 14 time period. I think it peaked up to $800, $900. Um, I think we bought around two fifty dollars, something like that. So that's what got our interest into it. And then from there, we just kind of went down the rabbit hole. There was a lot. There was such a strong community at the time. There was, you know, a Bitcoin talk forum was like a central. There's, I think now there's like a lot of different areas to go. Back then, there's only like you know, literally two places: Bitcoin talk forum or the subreddits. You know, and everything kind of focused around there. You got kind of the core developers like. You know, Gavin Anderson, uh, Mike Hearn, Amir Taki, kind of, you know, really prominent on the forums and communicating with people. So today you don't see as much. Uh, like the lead developer, I think it's Dutch kind of stays kind of in, the, in the background and doesn't interact as much. But yeah, obviously still carrying on a huge role. But um, yeah, so that's why we, we got involved in Bitcoin in that sense, and just kind of when the price kind of rise, we got more interested as I think naturally everyone does. And then we started looking at, you know, other coins. So like Litecoin was born in 2013, created Charlie Lee. Um, so we looked how we purchased that. Uh, wasn't many platforms out there. We never actually bought from Mt. Gox, um, but there was a platform called BTCE and that kind of had a list of different cryptocurrencies. So long story short, we ended up brokering from there, uh, Litecoin um, on these kind of peer-to-peer platforms. So that's really where we started off in terms of, um, you know, our business. Wow, that's awesome. So what year, I suppose, did, did Bitcoin become official, do you think? It was the next year, yeah, 2014, pretty much. Oh, like, yeah. I think we were, yeah, we weren't even too long. We're like, this, you know, it, was, it was just so difficult to buy it. There was very little options, like Airkind did, did Bitcoin, but if you want to buy anything else, there was, you know, you're sending money to like, you know, or it was easier to send Bitcoin to these platforms and convert into Litecoin, things like that. So. Yeah, straight away, we're kind of like, this is a massive opportunity here. So 2014, myself and my brother, Peter, we joined forces and set up Bitcove. Luckily enough, we got into this accelerator that was, you know, we we're just out of college and there was an accelerator in UCC, which enabled 
young graduates to you know give them the tools to start their own business so we, we went on that and yeah it was you know good good learning opportunity for us so like we had we knew we had an idea or we had you know a good project we're kind of making money from the get-go and but yeah it, it's the kind of auxiliary kind of stuff in terms of how to grow a business how to market it you know getting your accounts in order things like that so that was very helpful for us yeah awesome tell us a little bit about about Bicov today like what's typical business like for you i know you have offices, offices in uh, you're in cork and, and dublin right but uh, yeah what, what's going on today with you guys yeah the main office in dublin pier street so um yeah we've been based here for the last year and a half almost now um previously that we're in cork we still have a presence in cork but it's kind of scaled down it's more of a you know it's not a drop-in center it's a 365 it hub so you, you know you can arrange meetings there as well if, if people want to um so your typical day ranges a lot um you know we have the website and we have you know support staff on that so they're kept going with you know queries on the live chat or phone calls coming through then anything that's kind of like you know that they can't handle it might be kind of pushed up to me or peter um and we'd have a look at it so and then atms we've rolled out a lot of atms in the last year two three years so we think we have 16 atms currently uh, placed and we have another I think nine to go in in the next few months. So if you know any locations or if anyone listening knows any place they want to uh, insert an ATM, give us a shout and we'd be happy to look at it. Um, so yeah, so it ranges really, you know, from calls to talking to third party vendors, you know, there's a lot of integrations on our platform from KYC to, you know, General Bytes is our ATM provider, their software. So you know, working on all that and keeping the team together is the kind of core activities. Yeah, the the ATMs are cool. Like on on the workshops, I'm always teaching the guys about them. Like, go down to the ATM, put some put some euros in there, and, and and just experience the 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 journey of getting it sent to your wallet. And that's really cool. And people are to be surprised. They're like, no, there's not. I'm like, type it into Google. You'll realize there's actually a good few Bitcoin ATMs all over Ireland. Um, and as you say, is are is are even expanding. Um, that said, talk to me about. 2020, we've had this recent bull run. I think my thesis was always sort of 2021, Bitcoin became a bit more mainstream. That uh, It's not fully mainstream, but most mainstream people are like, right, it's not gonna go away. It's came and popped and came and popped and came and popped, but it keeps getting stronger and stronger. How has your business uh, reacted since 2020? Have you seen an influx of customers? Have you seen an influx of interest? Yeah, I guess up in 2020, we had, you know, just three on the team and now we have 10. So there's been a massive, you know, growth in our own team. And yeah, the volume, there's just basically to keep up with the volume of calls and the trade requests, things like that. So, yeah. And, and I think the most interesting part, I think is the, a lot of companies. So, so previous to that, like we've been upgrading since so 2014, 2017, you didn't have any companies really coming to us. You know, you had retail clients buying kind of small amounts, but that really has changed since 2020. You have you know, larger kind of, larger companies purchasing Bitcoin, pulling on their balance sheet. Um, so that was a big kind of change for us. Um, so I think that, you know, Elon Musk and Michael Saylor kind of kickstarted that really, you know, and, you know, the whole fear of inflation and, you know, they were dead right now looking back and um, that really kickstart kind of um, a kind of a role in that regard. So, yeah, it's great to see companies kind of recognizing that and taking lead from the likes of Michael Saylor and Elon Musk. So, yeah, it's um, busy days in that regard. Yeah, that's cool. My my guest uh, last last week, um, um, was saying he said to his accountant, "We want to put Bitcoin on our balance sheet." And the accountant was like, "No," and he's like, "Well, hold on, Tesla done it. 
why can't I do it? Why can't I do it? And, and he, he also said, like, it might be the first time you've done this or it might be difficult, but I promise you more companies are going to want to do this. So be ahead of what your customers are going to ask you for. And, and again, that's part of my thesis. And with the consulting, it's not just private individuals, it's people who have, you know, medium sized businesses and small businesses. And they're just like, we've, we're a hundred percent in cash in the bank here. Maybe we'll, we'll diversify a little bit and, and, and get some crypto exposure or Bitcoin exposure. Um, in terms of the solutions you guys offer them to, uh, to more businesses, would you help them with the custody or would you provide custody solutions or, or just education on that? Yeah, education more so. So like our kind of typical client, you know, they want to buy maybe 10K plus and they want to, you know, how to secure it for the next three, four to five years potentially. And what, is, what we can offer the best practices in terms of, you know, hardware wallets, which ones to use, if they have any issues with mm-hmm. setting them up to come into the office and we run through it. Um, so yeah, we're a non-custodial platform. We don't store customer funds. So, um, and we like to kind of remain that way as long as possible. Um, even though the kind of the market is changing and there is better solutions out there for custody now, um, you know, fire blocks and BitGo do a lot of integration on the back end of exchanges, but, um, yeah, we definitely like the idea of, you know, taking custody of your own crypto and, you know, being, being your own bank essentially. Um, yeah. Um, what's your own sort of ideals on, on crypto? Are you a Bitcoin maxi? Are you, uh, eat maxi? Are you a lover of all protocols? Where, where do you stand personally? We, we label ourselves as a Bitcoin exchange. We do, you know, we do offer it's like a 38 different cryptocurrencies. So uh, each one we have vetted. So we would be kind of, you know, um, we'd have interest in all those coins. Um, but predominantly, yeah, it would be Bitcoin. That would, like would be our main focus. Um, you know, Bitcoin has its kind of use case of store of value. I guess the more exciting thing for me and maybe the team in Bitcoin is kind of the DeFi space and what's happening there between, you know, um, synthetic stable coins, you know, like MakerDAO and DAI, you have automated markets like Uniswap and Curve Finance, um, you have automated lending with, you know, um, Compound and Aave, you have, you know, automated investment strategies with Yearn. So that's what we, I think those kind of four or five companies are listed there, kind of, they're kind of the, kind of the initial companies and a lot of the uh, DeFi space is built out of them, you know, iterations of that. So if anyone's, I think, yeah, it's good. If anyone's interested in getting to DeFi and things like that, I think it's definitely good, you know, well worth your time looking at the white papers, seeing how they're, are, you know, how they're transposed and you get a really good understanding of the whole DeFi space from that. So yeah, that's where, you know, the metaverse, NFT, things like that are obviously of interest, but, you know, I think it's definitely kind of, you know, store of value in Bitcoin and the DeFi space that kind of grabs our, you know, focus. That's what you're, you're mainly interested in main interest on a personal level and the company too yeah we kind of kind of keep them kind of the like we our, our platform wouldn't be fantastic if you want to buy the likes of shiba token we don't list that or elon token or i think even joe rogan's dog has a token now as well so you know it, it, there's other platforms for that and there's other you know you can go on to decentralized exchange and take a punt but uh we try to keep things as easy as possible and try not to kind of you know start pushing things at clients or customers that may confuse them or may not be there in a year's time or things like that Sure. Would, would, would it be a fair assumption to say that you you wouldn't sell something that you wouldn't own? Yeah, pretty much. Or I haven't purchased or sold in the, in the past. Yeah, yeah. that'd, be, that'd be pretty yeah. accurate. That's awesome. So what's the plans for, for, for Bitcoin over the next couple of years? Yeah, it's just trying to expand our services. So like we have which, the whole kind of idea is to make 
purchasing or getting into crypto as easy as possible, kind of stripping away the complexity. So our platform is, you know, super easy to use in terms of if you want to do a bank transfer, a card payment, and then if you want to buy via cash, you can do it via our ATMs. So I guess just expanding upon that, I got, we, we just market to Ireland. So maybe pushing outside of Ireland, you know, rolling out more ATMs within Ireland and other European countries. Um, and then it's always a case of, you know, if we do add in, like, will we add in a wallet to the platform or will we, you know, go down a non-custodial wallet route? So you have some cool wallets that are non-custodial, like Blockstream have a green green wallet or Exodus or things like that. So we're kind of tying with the idea of creating one of them that you could then link to BitCove and then you can offer all the other services that other crypto exchanges offer via this, you know, non-custodial uh, wallet. So, you know, debit cards, you know, you could hook up to DeFi platforms, you know, you can by aggregator to maybe get the best interest and things like that. So that's what we're kind of looking at. We like to maintain the whole non-custodial aspect and you know, giving people um, control over their, over their own funds and not being reliant on you know, a central authority. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll like to keep pushing that way. So we'll see what the next few years bring. What's, what's it like in, in Ireland? Because I know it was, geez, it was that um, uh, newspaper about the uh, central bank chatting about cryptocurrencies and it was, it was really negative, like, um uh it was kind of ironic like coming from central bank but i suppose what would we expect do you think in ireland it's more difficult to operate are we a little bit behind with understanding and regulation and than say the uk or than say the us i don't think so i think we're pretty on par like i think it's yeah. not easy for Anne. yeah yeah like banking wise like we had like that's the only real negative i can say is that you know irish banks don't support bitcoin companies in our activity you know education wise where you're focused on different scenario but if you're kind of dating you know trade you know and i can understand that like it's it's a how do they how do they i suppose offer our service to us versus another client and how do they charge like we our bank now is in lithuania and they charge accordingly for the service we provide so you know it's a high banking fee we have every year and Bank of Ireland probably don't have that kind of, you know, fee structure or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think like in the UK up until three years ago, you couldn't get, there was no like uh, crypto exchange with a bank, you know, with, with faster payments. There was some banks in Gibraltar and other places, but with faster payments, there wasn't, but that's changed now. You clear bank in the UK and they have a lot of e-money institutions on top of that that offer uh, crypto, you know, crypto services and platforms. Um, but Ireland as a whole, I think it's one of, I think it's a very good country in terms of like, you have a working group called Blockchain Ireland. They hold yeah. a free monthly uh, meetup, or I think they're starting to do in-person meetups this month. But um, previously that throughout COVID, they're doing online meetups and yeah. they're very good and you know encouraging things and getting getting people speaking at them and startups. So and, and then like a lot of the top platforms are based here at the moment, or they have some European presence here. You have the Algorand Foundation. They're very active in the kind of startup scene in Ireland. So even this morning, I seen. I think it was a company called Wavelength. Um, it's a brand new startup, and they've raised quarter million from Algorand, and they're in a Web three style decentralized social media platform. So yeah, I think it, it, there is a lot of opportunities uh, in Ireland. There's, like you know, there's a, people, a lot of companies are coming here for a reason. As um, it's low corporation tax, but um, yeah. besides that, though, there's a lot of you know developers and things like that. Even actually, the last weekend we're down in Cork. Um, there was a Bitcoin meetup there, ran by the Steely Mining crew, and they, there's a Cork company that started like, um, a mining operation. So they have a, um, they have an office in Cork City Centre, and um, yeah, they demoed the, the mining equipment. So it was great to see. So it definitely is a strong community here, I would say. 
think with COVID, it was a little bit fragmented. You know, there wasn't many meetups in person and things like that. Um, the one thing I couldn't can say though, I think like like what happened, like we used to go to meetups back in you know 2015, 2016, you know, just Bitcoin, and then 2017 came along, and you had all these cryptocurrencies, and the kind of the meetups got diluted. So now you had an EOS meetup, you had a Ethereum meetup, mm-hmm. you had you know, so I suppose having just like a Bitcoin, a crypto kind of got put, everyone kind of went into their own kind of, you know, kind of followings or an XRP meetup and things like that. So, um, yeah, but hopefully we can kickstart some kind of Bitcoin meetups or crypto and general meetups again uh, yeah. in Dublin. Yeah, it got, it got diluted, as you say, I suppose. And, and just to give a shout out, Blockchain Ireland, there is a meetup on, it's a Zoom, it's Tuesday next week at 8.30. So if anyone's listening wants to check that out. Um, so... Just to, 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 to chat a little bit about, about Bitcoin, how do you see Bitcoin itself developing over the next, let's say, five to 10 years? Do you see it becoming a digital gold? Yeah, I think it's, 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 it's a long way down that path already, you know, so <laughs> I know it's under the $10 market cap now, but uh, I think well, well, gold is a $10, million, $10, $10, $10 trillion market cap and, you know, for Bitcoin to, you know, surpass that, I think is very, you know, very you know the next 10 years is very doable i think you know you're seeing like el salvador putting it on their their books um i think it's only it's going to be a snowball effect especially when they get the like i think the big thing with el salvador is that like you know, how are the imf going to react and i think even the u.s senate had some you know kind of not so kind words about it yesterday in terms of how you know how they're going to spend money laundering things things like that you know trying to blow it out of kind of proportions really but I think once they get the bond and countries see that, you know, you're not going to be squeezed out of financials, there is alternatives. And the bonds that can be the best thing ever in terms of, you know, countries borrow off the IMF and they're consistently in this kind of debt loop where they, you know, they have to borrow more to pay back the money they owe and it just goes on and on and on. Whereas the Bitcoin bond in El Salvador, they're, you know, they're looking to put half of that into Bitcoin. And, you know, if it appreciates like everyone kind of expects it to appreciate on the last you know, 10 years, then they'll be able to pay that off and they'll, you know, they'll actually be able to become a sovereign state, not tied or not, you know, not um, shackled to any kind of monetary fund like the IMF. So that's really exciting. Um, I think once they, if they can get that bond through and, you know, obviously with the geothermal miners and the Bitcoin city, there's a lot happening there. They'll pave the way for a lot of countries to, you know, this is a route, this is a, there is a path here. And, um, yeah, I could see an explosion. See, even Ireland's central bank, I think they had a huge increase in gold in the last couple of months. Um, their gold reserves hugely increased. So I think central banks are looking for, like, you know, actively looking for their assets to add to their balance sheet. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, we'll need a few more countries to add Bitcoin and then it'll become acceptable. It's like anything. It's like, it's like the economics back in the day. They once they, everyone's kind of negative on Bitcoin and slowly, slowly they kind of come around. And then it's okay to talk about Bitcoin and then it comes, yeah. Bitcoin becomes, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's just funny how it evolves. So I think we're getting there. Yeah. Uh, you touched on the, the central bank buying, buying, buying gold. Yeah. I think it was nearly, I can't remember what the figure is now, so I won't throw it out, but it was some substantial amount that they hadn't bought in 20 years or so. Um, inflation is, is definitely a problem throughout the world and throughout Ireland. Um, where do you think this goes or how do people manage this? Do you think? Is, is Bitcoin yes. solution or it's obviously not a one-stop solution, but like my investment thesis is it, it, I want to have exposure in, in, in this alternative system as well as the system that we're in that seems to be struggling with inflation and, 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 and it doesn't look like that, you know, it's going to be, it's a fixable problem. It looks like it's going to be a, a constant bleed out. Like Charlie Munger only said 
the dollar goes to zero within a hundred years. Like that's pretty, that's a pretty crazy statement from someone like that. And we know fiat currencies, they do tend to inflate and then become faster and faster. So, so where, where, do you, where do you see Bitcoin fitting in as a hedge for Irish people? Do you think it's worth Irish people starting to learn and understand about Bitcoin for themselves? Yeah, massively. I think like if, if they're not going to purchase straight away, I, th- I think it's what the inevitable is. They're in, in, they are going to end up purchasing it. It's either going to be, you know, they can, they can look at an now purchase now or they can, you know, see their money slowly, you know, you know, get inflated away and then they'll start when it's you know not too late but you know they could have been a lot stronger position now so i think it is only a matter of time and um yeah 100 people have, need to start looking and it's not you know if you want to purchase you can just you know read about it understand that a little more you know can have conversations with people about it um but yeah yeah the charlie munger thing was very interesting in terms of you know the dollar is going to go to zero in 100 years he didn't say the but he said don't touch gold don't touch bitcoin so like he's not really giving a lot of room for uh, what do you know in that regard? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I would definitely think people should, you know, think that, you know, some percentage of their portfolio should be small percentage should be in crypto, um, just against the hedge against, you know, all the economic uncertainty that's coming on the road. And like, I think there would bumpy roads too. Like, it's not, you know, plain sailing holding crypto can be volatile. So people have to be aware of that. It can be, you know, significant drops. But um, we've kind of come past, you know, I think the big fear for a long time is the, the, the monopoly of mining in China and how how that would affect the network so i think you know stamping it out completely you know was probably a, you know a fairly harsh move but in the long term you know it made a more decentralized network a more secure network and we seem to hash rate recover just as quick you know so um any problems that we have come across you know that we're kind of going to be the end of bitcoin you know we have kind of you know safely navigated those things so um yeah do you see the the energy concerns as being a legitimate cause for concern, or do you think Bitcoin, as everything gets around, it, you know, innovates, find ways? Yeah, definitely. Speaking to the guys down in Cork the last day, they were very much interested in looking at renewable energies, either solar or geothermal or wind or even yeah, different different avenues. So. Uh, you know, mining in Ireland is not really practical. You can't get the ESB network. You know, it's, it's you know, break even at best. But if you can find renewables that you know that sell back to the grid, they have excess uh, that are going to waste, which is you know a lot quite common. You know, we hear of different renewables being turned off during high season because you know they they just have so much electricity that the, the grid can't handle it and things like that. So I think you know even Texas, I think in the gas fields there, they have. They have um, innovative ways now of you know capturing that energy and using the run Bitcoin miners. So, yeah, I think the energy thing is you know it kind of yeah there was a big push there at one stage where you know you know Bitcoin energy is getting out of hand. It's bad for the environment, but it's kind of turning out the exact opposite where you know it can actually you know make fossil make fossil fuels obsolete, but it, it can it can make it can make renewables sustainable in a profit in a profitable manner. Um, that wasn't possible before, and then the, you know if that happens, then the reliance reliance on fossil fuels will reduce and reduce. So I think it could be the exact opposite of people were saying, you know, six months ago or a year ago. So yeah, it's definitely a positive development. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it, like it can monetize natural resources that previously couldn't be monetized because you know you can you can mine Bitcoin anywhere. You know, yeah. whereas with electricity, there's no point in producing electricity off grid somewhere because. The cost of transporting it back where it's actually useful 
means it's it's unsustainable to do but with bitcoin or we can use these energies of last resorts and and create this green energy uh so yeah i'd 100 agree with you um since you touched on DeFi a little bit how do you think that space develops like how does our world look like with with DeFi? will it change it what's going to happen here in the next couple of years in your sort of thesis yeah it's definitely the, one of the most i think the most interesting space and i think it's interesting too how the regulator going to look upon and like we've seen uniswap at the delist well you know uniswap port- protocol can't delist anything but their website itself you know they dropped off a few uh, i think it was synthetic assets so yeah i, I think um that's where kind of for for all the big hopes were main kind of you know I think development work is happening. There's like some privacy protocols. Uh, one of the developers I spoke about in the start, uh, Amir Taki, is one of the kind of core developers. Uh, Bitcoin in the early days, he's working on a DeFi project now that's kind of privacy based. So, um, you know, privacy, you know, a lot of this on-chain stuff is, you know, I think you can, you can track all the transactions, you can track this, the funding of different kind of projects, you know, so um, yeah, I'll be interested to see what, what he comes out. I think it's called Dark Finance or Dark Fi the website dark.fi um so keep an eye on that um you know tornado cash is a pretty interesting project as well um so yeah it's definitely becoming more and more um prominent uh, i like to see so like so far it's kind of you know your collateral you, you, you take a loan based on your collateral but if you could you know if you could you know take a mortgage take a you know, take more than your collateral in terms of some social kind of credit system or some social you know you, you connect in your social media platforms, your, your credit rating, things like that, um, bringing kind of DeFi protocols kind of into the next kind of layer um, of kind of financial innovation or maybe traditional financial companies will start tapping into the DeFi thing if they haven't already. Um, but yeah, that's um, definitely interesting space. Yeah, there's yield or alpha there, so they're yeah. <laughs> interested. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely tell people to be careful of the yield, though. I think people chase this yield. Oh, yeah. If, it's, if it seems like, I think the industry standard is probably 7 8%. If it's over that, I think it's, you know, you have to ask like, how sustainable is it? How is the project producing this yield? Or, <laughs> and then in decentralized protocols, they have like governance tokens. And, you know, you get a, you know, you get your yield plus the governance token, but that only lasts so long. So, you know, you have to be kind of wary as well that, you know, they use the governance tokens to incentivize people to get um, liquidity on either side. So if you're, you're borrowing or lending, you're, you're kind of getting a payout. Um, so yeah, that's um Yeah, one of my last guests was um, also mentioned that, and it's sort of my thesis, I don't really bother going too deep into it. It's like the high risk, high return stuff, it's generally high risk, no return. <laughs> and, you put, <laughs> and you put a lot of time into it as well. So like your time is the most valuable thing. So I'm like, nah, not for me. <laughs> let, let that yeah. stuff, you know, see how it works out and then maybe in time. Yeah. Hundred percent. It's token economics too. Like a lot of projects sound good and they look good, and when you look at the token economics and the distribution of tokens and how they're going to be distributed over time. So like a lot of Solana projects come out there uh, the last year, and, and if you, I'm sorry, a lot of tokens on Solana launched, and you look at how their token economics was, you know, they had a very small distribution to start, pumped the price up, and then they slowly, you know, they started ramping up the distribution. Then when the price was high, so it's a lot of trickery going on. Like FTX was a the platform that would launch futures then so the bigger guys they might not have been able to um you know there could be an investing period so like if you if you're an early investor in some protocol or token you might have to hold it for a year or two years but now you might have to so there's no way to sell it but if a platform like fdx launches uh, futures uh futures for that market you can now short it without 
you know, so you have thousands of these coins, you can short a thousand, so you're locking your price at the start. So a lot of, you know, you definitely need to look at the token economics of projects, great, but hard upshirt and, you know, what, what who's behind them, things like that. It's, um, it's uh, something to keep in mind for sure. Yeah. It's, um, it's a lot of work. I, my, my sort of thesis on it is when people come in, I'm like, just try and get your head around Bitcoin first and, and yeah. start there. And that might be enough for you if you're not a professional and you've got a lot of other stuff going on. But uh, by all means, the other stuff is cool and there's loads of like, but like that, the barrier to entry is there's so much stuff going on, isn't there? It's like, you can't be an expert in the metaverse and an expert and see what's going on in NFTs and then be fully up to speed on everything that's going on in the DeFi world. And then just understanding general <laughs> Bitcoin maximalism and the deep philosophy there. Like it's just, you get yeah. so diluted as you say, and then you get, you get nothing done. So I prefer just to, you know, take things in chunks and focus on focus on first what's of most importance. And to me, what's most important was always to learn and understand Bitcoin. And then when you have your head around that, you know, decide what, where's the next sort of area in crypto to go in, because it is so broad. Um, to finish up with, I suppose, bit of crack, what's the price of Bitcoin in 2030? 2030, I think, um, 2030, I think, you know, again, the gold analogy and, you know, the 10, $10 trillion market cap, very achievable. So that's, I think that's putting Bitcoin at like a uh, half million dollars. But I think, you know, as you've seen before, like in 2017, Bitcoin, it just, when it moves, it can just, it just moves. Like it went $1,000, $20,000, it did go back down to $3,000 again shortly after that. But it, it, it can, you know, the momentum it gains and the kind of, you know, liquidity issues. And it's going to get, you know, in terms of the holders are getting, you know, more and more bullish and, you know, bigger whales are kind of accumulating more clients. So I think that if we can stabilize around these prices now, that, you know, in five years time, we could be hitting the half a million dollar mark. And then, in, or, you know, in 10 years time, we could be hitting a million dollar market cap. Um, it sounds maybe a bit crazy or a bit wild, but if you just look at the previous bull cycles and how, you know, and um, how they kind of catapult is quite, quite, you know, conservative projections as such. Um, so, yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of upswing in, in Bitcoin. So that's a big thing too. I think people, like you're saying, they get, you know, it's like the shiny new token. They get, think, they think that they've missed the Bitcoin boat, that there's no returns to be made in Bitcoin or that, you know, I'm better off putting my money in this low market cap, you know, metaverse token. And um, yeah, and like the, the probability of that going to zero versus Bitcoin is, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's completely different. So. I definitely think people should, you know, not get alarmed by the kind of the, the price of Bitcoin. You can buy a hundred euro or a thousand euro, and you know the offspring is, you know, think think it's satoshis. You can be a satoshi millionaire, yeah. five hundred quid. Um, and and like my thesis on it is, or how I explain to people is like, the price of Bitcoin doesn't matter if it's like to me, say forty, fifty grand. It's a lot of money, but to Bitcoin, it, it's irrelevant. It's just what amount of the world's capital sits inside it and divide that by 21 million. At the moment, it's a tiny, tiny fraction of the world's capital. But as you know, if as Bitcoin draws capital from property markets, which it is because I'm consulting with people who are selling apartments and putting it yeah. in crypto, you know, so in real world terms, I'm experiencing it. It's happening throughout the world. Equities like the traditional stock market portfolio was 60, 40, but now there's a Bitcoin element being squeezed in there, which means it's taking capital from equities, gold, last two years, we'd expect the price of gold to move since we've 40 year high inflation and it hasn't. So investors have chose Bitcoin instead. So it's, 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 and we've seen real pal 
top hedge fund manager sold all his gold to buy Bitcoin. So we're seeing capital leave that asset class and come into it. And we're just going to see, as you mentioned, the bond in El Salvador. That's a bond is a huge asset class, trillions, hundreds of trillions, 120 trillion or something. But now we've this one Bitcoin bond. So will we see a trickle from that coming into it? So the price of Bitcoin is just determined of divide the amount of capital that's inside it by 21 million. And if it's slowly trickling capital from all other asset classes, it's it's quite exciting. As you say, it's not a sure thing as as I try and help people understand. It's not, and you don't need to take a bet of, I need to all, all Bitcoin, but, but a small little bet can give you, because it's so asymmetric. Um, and that's where a lot of these hedge funds start is a small little exposure exposure to it and uh, but it is exciting and it will be volatile we know for a fact that bitcoin will go up and bitcoin will come down or our bitcoin crashing is inevitable but like mm. over the 13 years it's just higher highs and higher lows you know when you do zoom out a little bit and then for me as as someone who did wasn't a super early bitcoin investor it's just like well crashes are my gift because i'm buying <laughs> bitcoin you know these market pullbacks are a gift to me because i now get more satoshis for my euros and, and and again, that's what I try and help people teach with the dollar cost av- average strategy. You, you're not trying to time the market. It's not going to hurt as much when the, these crashes do come about. You see them as opportunities and, and gifts to build your position, to build your little asset position uh, uh, in this sort of, you know, whatever we want to call it, digital store of value, digital gold. Um, um, so yeah, really exciting. Um, James, where can the guys in touch with Bitcove or find out more about you guys? Yeah, we're on all the social media. So on LinkedIn, um, Instagram, I think Bitcove and LinkedIn Bitcove, Facebook is Bitcove. And then on Twitter, we're Bitcoin underscore Ireland. I'm not sure why we did that, but we are. Um, I think that Bitcove was gone actually. So that's why. Um, so yeah, all the social medias and then go onto our website talk to the guys in the live chat or give us a call and the, the, the number is on the website as well. So yeah, more than happy to help anyone get onboarded and um, any queries or questions, things like that. We're very happy. And um, yeah, so I'll say like to say, well done to you, Danny, for providing education. I think you're probably the first person in Ireland to do that. So it's very important that people are educated and know what they're getting into and not going into a blind. And uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a definitely a job that's a, um, needed i think more people need to maybe to get into that role of kind of educating people uh, you know um so we're playing that awesome 100 james thanks for coming on cheers Zane.